Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulWrestling.com here for your post-WWE Elimination Chamber 2018 show. We got plenty to talk about. Before we get into that, uh, I did a UFC Orlando show last night, post-show wrap-up. Go check that out. A lot of cool stuff happened on that show. A very fun show. Also, if you missed it in the lead-up to to this Elimination Chamber, myself, Alex, Jeff, did an alternate commentary for Elimination Chamber, uh, I think, 2003, and then another one for the Extreme Elimination Chamber. Those are over at FightfulPods.com. Of course, we have post-Raw, post-SmackDown, post-Pay-Per-View shows for virtually everything, as well as the list in your boy on Wednesday. Uh, Definitely our most viewed show on Wednesdays, our flagship, so to speak. But definitely check that out and support our sponsors over at LivingSharp.com. If you need an interesting, fun, or different gift idea, head over to LivingSharp.com and check them out. You can get a little bit of everything in any price range over at livingsharp.com. I am joined tonight by Alex Palowski. Alex, are you yes. a real journalism? I'm not even a real journalism. Um, you are a confirmed internet shit dick. I am. Confirmed. <laughs> confirmed internet shit dick. Um, it's been confirmed by multiple sources. I'm also joined by Anna Bauert, who, if you listen to me, you would think that she attended EPW Perth, which she does often, but she actually is fresh off of attending New Japan Perth. I'll get that right mm-hmm. one day, probably far after we have any coverage of it. Yeah, yeah, far past it's relevant. But while it is relevant, I have an article up of my review, which you should check out. Also an interview with TMDK, all at Fightful.com. It is really, really good stuff. Anna went in-depth. A lot of media there, at least until New Japan has one of their bots flag us and send us a copyright strike. After they credentialed us as media. That's a fun one. That's a fun one. Well, we have WWE Elimination Chamber to talk about, and there's a little more to talk about because Dana White, UFC president, tweeted out a photo today of Brock Lesnar swinging by to see him. Now, there were some people that thought maybe it was an old photo. No, it wasn't. Brock Lesnar is already in Vegas. He he did go visit Dana White today. And I posted in the Fightful Wrestling Weekly last week that I, I had a source that I trust and has given me good information before that Brock Lesnar kind of indicated to Vince McMahon that he might be out for SummerSlam, like not interested. Now, he is contracted through August because WWE was able to freeze his contract when he did take a UFC fight a couple years ago. Uh, The beauty of that for WWE was he wasn't scheduled to really do anything during that period anyway. 
but they were like, well, if you're going to do this, we're going to freeze your contract. And everything was hunky dory for him. Everything was fine. However, Brock Lesnar's contract is coming up right now. And this is a recurring theme when Brock Lesnar's contract comes up, Alex. This isn't a new thing. Yep. He does this every time, as he should, to maximize his, his uh, earnings potential. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Brock being a, um, uh, a known exit from WWE, or at least assumed exit from WWE at WrestleMania, um, hasn't gone over well in the past. Yeah. So um, that's what I'm worried about here. If you, if you like, you get people who are like, "Oh, I just I don't want Roman to be the guy," and like, yeah, I don't either, kind of. But if you accept that he is, I mean, at least in, in the eyes of the one person that for whom that matters, um, then you kind of figure out how can can you enjoy the journey on your way to get there. And honestly, I think Roman's best match was against Brock at Roman WrestleMania 31. And I'd love to see them rehash that and see how they could go from there. But if we all know ahead of time that Brock's out after that match, then that match loses all of its fun for me. You know what I mean? And I don't want that. I don't think there's I don't think there's a chance Brock Lesnar wins that match anyway. And oh, at least the foregone conclusion of the foreground conclusion of the main event is something they were able to avoid a few years ago. Uh, Anna Brock Lesnar still has upwards of half a year to serve on a USADA suspension because when he retired last year, that actually froze. So if he were to fight, it could be no sooner than if he got in the USADA pool today, at the very least, the end of August. So it, it would take some time and probably uh, he could go through SummerSlam and do anything that he needed there on his own uh, without really worrying about that. But what do you, what do you think about Brock Lesnar? Do you think this is a situation where maybe he's just trying to, to increase that WWE offer? Yeah, of course. This guy has gotten to the point in his career where he just does not give a shit. Um, And the way that he, I mean, like Alexa had to defend her championship tonight and, you know, she hasn't in a long time, but she has a point. Why am I defending it when he isn't even here? And storyline-wise, it's just at the point now where I'm like, yeah, I don't really care if he's here or not. I don't care about this main title picture again because I just – same same shit all the time. It's, it's the forced WWE plan, and it's been rumored to have been the plan. I think Dave Meltzer reported it uh, 11 months ago. <laughs> like maybe a week or two after WrestleMania last year, he said, this is the plan, this is the way they're going – and it seemed so just redundant and overdone that maybe <laughs> a lot of people doubted it and thought, ah, they won't do that. Things will change by then. Well, let me tell you, if Braun Strowman got as hot as he got in that period and they didn't change it, it's just going down that way. On this pre-show tonight, Paige joined the panel, and this was a little heartbreaking because they, they sort of addressed the injury. And she, you know, she... You could tell she felt bad about it, but it's good to see them making use of her. Uh, Booker and Rosenberg are all piled up. Oh, boy. Paul Heyman asks who Rosenberg is as they're going on the air, which I thought was kind of funny. We had Good Brothers defeating the Miztourage. I mean, you all know the drill in this. It's a paint-by-numbers pre-show tag team match that didn't get any opportunity to shine. But the Revival are watching backwards. They cut a brief promo after. But we've also seen this Revival Good Brothers thing, like, I think – 117 times now, Anna? Yep, yep. Well, I'm, I'm glad that at least Scott got to speak when Dash came on. He got a well, well in, and then they cut him off. Um, <laughs> look, I, I personally am shocked that the Miztourage didn't win because they didn't have just one golden jacket. They had two. And with that, they could have won the chamber, but they didn't. Um, so that's the biggest thing I took away from that. Um, Apart from that, there was an awesome karate kick to Axel's head by Luke Gallows. He's, uh, he's, I love that he's implementing that. That's hilarious. He is so much fun to watch. And then the other big thing I took away from that and a few times during the night were a bunch of two sweet villain chants going on there. Make sure uh, Alex, cease and desist. Alex, any thoughts on this pre-show or anything on it? 
Well, you know, see, Sean, I think that the big problem with the the fact that they're going back to the, you know, both brands on the same pay-per-view is that we're not going to get in these great mid-card matches like this one on the pre-show matches of the brand-specific pay-per-views. Um, this was whatever. This was a match you throw on in the middle of the second hour of a Raw that's boring. Like, I can't believe they couldn't find something better to do with, with their pre-show match. But whatever. It's fine. I, I love Bo and Curtis. I love their – these guys are the real golden lovers in my book. But um, – oh. Uh, oh, no, you did not. Uh, it, was a joke. it was a joke, Anna. I was playing off the color of their wow. jackets. Um, anyway – um, no, this was this was fine. Uh, I, I do think it, it's funny to have the revival like hanging out backstage just to watch the match and not to have a match of their own is kind of telling. The the, the raw tag team scene is in dirty bad shape. I'll tell you what wasn't in bad shape. This raw women's championship match, the elimination chamber. I considered this match of the night. I have my podcast notes and my match ratings up at Fightful.com right now. Go check it out. I I made it clear last year, uh, maybe perhaps a little bit more obnoxiously, that I like the changes made to the Elimination Chamber structure. I think that it's it's really helped revolutionize the match and make it safer for people, making them all, all able to do more things. This match really showed it. Uh, it makes production a little bit better when when you can see what's going on. Absolution wearing the matching gear tonight. And a lot of people got new gear tonight. It felt like WrestleMania already in that regard. Yeah, well, I'm not really surprised in terms of the women's match. Um, Nikki finally decided to let you off the hook and she ditched the flappies, which is cool. The boyhood dream has come true. An elimination chamber miracle. Iron Wonder Woman, uh, I liked her gear. I thought she looked good. No flappy pants. Uh, she was much faster because there was no wind resistance. Like the, uh, You know what? It, it, the irony is she could have used those. She could have floated down from the top of that chamber which, with much more safety if she had. I the think flaps. they were just, they were like weight training for her. It was yeah. all for this month. It was. I like that. I like that. Uh, Bailey Spider-Man's the cage. It's a Saito suplex in the ring. Uh, that's a great addition to her arsenal that she's made in the last year. The new structure also allowed for her to hit an elbow drop to the outside on Sonya Deville. The next person out, it had to be Mandy Rose, right, Alex? I mean, that's just smart babyface booking. Oh, yeah, no. The 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 order of, of everybody coming in for this match was was kind of obvious, but it didn't take away from, from the match's impact. I thought it was the right thing to do, given Bailey. It made Bailey fight from underneath, all that stuff. Sasha is out to to even the odds, has her traditional knee offense, and then Banks taps Mandy Rose immediately, or not immediately, but but pretty quickly. And I thought this was the right first elimination. Mandy Rose, the, the greenest of all in the ring, and she, she did what she was supposed to do, and they got her out of there. Yeah, for sure. And she did a great job tonight. Um, I absolutely loved when she first exited the pod. She looked so happy. And then it was just quickly followed up by Bailey smashing her in the gut. And the, the whole segment. And as soon as Sasha came out, she, was it Mandy that she beat the shit out of? One of them. Either way, it was fantastic. So Mickey James comes out and gets this cool, like, Spider Hurricane Rana off the cage that, that you know is a playoff of her Mickey Kenrana. Then Mickey climbs on to the top of the chamber and hits a Thez press off the top of the chamber onto Sonya. It kicked ass. It looked great. Really cool. Lou Thez could not have done that better, Alex. Well, no, he's dead now, but I Well, he's definitely not doing it dead. No. No, um, but in in his heyday, even a lot. No, he couldn't have done it better then. In but his definitely heyday, not now. Yeah. Uh, no. Miss. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Sonya gets pinned with that, and then ba- Bailey DePelli on Mickey, and she's out. Bailey and Sasha wait on Alexa Bliss, who runs away from them. And I love this spot. This was so cool, and we had what we'll discuss, but we'll, we'll talk about the Sasha Bailey thing. But just Alexa, just handling this and avoiding everybody moment. and running away. 
the moment she walked out for her entrance, she just sold the shit out of it. And it's moments like these where I remember how much I love her and why. Running away could have looked so Benny Hill style and eventually <laughs> boring, but they made it work. That visual of her in the middle of the second tier, just holding on, and then Bailey and Sasha approaching on either side, and you just see a look on her face. I'm I'm very happy. With I the loved her. I loved her facial expressions inside the pod too. Uh, yeah. That whole thing. She tells such a story with with just that as well. Then we have what leads to a, a lot of aggression between Bailey and Sasha Banks, where Bailey is trying to help Sasha chase Alexa up on the pod. And Sasha kicks her in the face, knocks her down. Alex, is this the beginning of the end of the friendly Sasha and Bailey? Or tomorrow night, do they go right back to being like, hey, buddy, hey, pal? <sighs> this is the problem, is that it's not the beginning. It's like chapter two but the eighth time we've read chapter Yeah, but two. I mean, is this the end of them being friendly in that regard? I don't know. It's the WWE. Like, maybe they might they might push out their big feud until SummerSlam. Like, like they've they've done, they've teased it too many times, and they can always say, hey, you know, every woman for herself, yeah, I know, you're just trying to win. We're best buds again. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Or, or... They could pull the damn trigger and put these two on for 17 minutes at Mania. Like, do it, because it'll be great. But who knows? I I hope that's the case. I don't have an issue with it at all. It's become a part of Sasha's character. You know, it's always the generic thing of, I want to win this match, just the wrestler's MO. But for her, she embodies it so much and has so much conviction that that has become her, her shtick. And for her to do this kind of thing in the big matches, it makes complete sense. And I think it's, I think it's going to, I hope it's an eventual thing that it keeps happening again and again, but the friendship is still there. It just gets more strained and strained. And then eventually, I don't know, Bailey will be the one to turn or something like that. I like that it has, it has a few layers to it. It's a nice change. I I like the slow build. And if it pays off at WrestleMania, that's, that's the ultimate because these two, Women with this story, even as inconsistently as it's built sometime, I think they deserve to have that paid off at a WrestleMania because we know what they can do on a small stage, on a big stage, really any of that. The, uh, I thought the camera work, you know, I always complain about that, but I thought it did a real disservice to these women who worked their asses off and had a lot of the spots that they did that probably really hurt, wasted on stupid Zooms. Uh, Bailey... <laughs> Bailey hits a superplex on Alexa, and then Sasha hits a nasty-looking frog splash on Bailey for two. A super Bailey to belly uh, on Banks, but Bliss rolls up Bailey for the pin. Then outside the cage, or outside the the ring rather, Bliss or uh, Bliss missed the twisted Bliss inside the ring, and then outside the ring did it to a standing Sasha Banks. That was amazing looking. And then Sasha turned it into a bank statement, rolls into the ring. Eventually, a rope-hung DDT gets it done for Alexa Bliss. Uh, in totality, Anna, I, I considered this match match of the night. I thought that everybody looked good, did what they should. I, I can't think of a whole lot in this match that was bad. And Alexa Bliss, after the match, cut a promo where she feigned being a babyface, then turned it right back around, healed the crowd while Sasha sat outside. What would you think of it, Anna? That was masterful. She was cutting the promo that Sasha would have cut if she'd won the match. And then completely flipped it on its head and just tore every, everything down. I don't think anyone could have been annoyed at that or angry or upset because she did it so masterfully. This whole match, I was listening to Edge and Christian on Jericho's podcast. It's one of the old ones. And though Edge was talking about the first um, TLC match and how he wishes they didn't go so balls to the wall with it and there was just too much and how do you follow that up? This one, there are a few high spots of a few hold your breath moments, mainly floor-based. I think it was perfect for for the first match. They pulled it off beautifully. And I cannot wait to see just everything that comes after this. Yeah, they did a lot without going so far as to not being able to follow that up in future Elimination Chamber matches. Like Mickey having the big spot with the Fez press and then Alexa doing the, the Twisted Bliss, which looked awesome off of that chamber, I thought fit really well. And it, you mentioned that about Sasha. Like, 
looking like if I were just an outsider looking in, I could see Sasha sitting there at ringside saying, that's exactly what I was going to say. That, that ass. That's what I was going to say. Alex, what'd you think of all this? Um, I, I thought it was going to come down to these three. I mean, it's probably kind of obvious. You got to, you got to do that. Um, I really liked uh, Alexa stealing the pin on Bailey uh, when Bailey was going to pin Sasha. Like, that was an interesting like way of, of doing that. Uh, so that that could be something that mm-hmm. could be used in a future uh, part of the storyline. Um, also, um, uh, I I did not have let's make Alexa Bliss look super strong in retaining the championship <laughs> as the thing they were doing with this match going into it, and I'm glad they did. Because, uh, as we'll see later, like you're gonna have to keep Alexa looking a little strong if she's if you're gonna be believable as a title holder going to Mania uh, against her potential uh, um, uh, opponents. But I've never seen a bank statement gotten out of in that way, like standing up in it and then bashing her back of her head into the turnbuckles. That that looked really strong and smart. Um, and then uh, stopping uh, Sasha from going up to the to the, to the top. And her, like her DDT that she uses as a finisher in the ring, eh, okay. Um, but this, the rope hung version, that looked pretty nasty. So that was a great, um, and of course, Alexa Bliss doing an amazing uh, uh, about face in her promo. Like that was fantastic. Yeah, She's the type great. of thing, the type of thing you'll you'll hear me complain about from uh, with the bank statement from a technical standpoint, being a guy that that trained a lot of submission wrestling, is that. There's nothing really preventing a wrestler from sitting out, but that that leverage and that ability to do so also causes a lot of really cool counters and stuff because they are able to roll out of it and they are able to sit out of it. They are able to uh, roll through and grab a pen and things like that. And the move's already over, so I mean, like, it's not like they're not buying the move. So if that's a minor problem for me, then who gives a damn? Because the crowd's into it, they like it, and the counters that are, that come out of it are really good. I love that match. Uh, thought it was really great and awesome first women's elimination chamber. The bar defeated Titus worldwide. The bar attacks them before the bell, but Apollo dives onto everybody. It seemed like every month the bar are wrestling at least one guy who was wearing gear that looks like they should be a part of the bar. And that was Apollo Cruz tonight. Oh, sorry, sorry. Apollo? You mean Apollo? Yeah, Apollo. Oh, God. Oh no. The bar works over Apollo <laughs> for about five or six minutes. <laughs> Titus gets a great reaction for his hot tag. Uh Seamus, <laughs> his recovery from slipping on the turnbuckle was masterful. He finger wagged the crowd and then on his way down, like he tied it all in. You couldn't have planned it, but it all worked out even better than it could have because he was going to get caught in that clash of the Titus anyway. But being able to to have old man coachman and his flippy hating pay off by saying, oh, he wasted too much time up there playing with the crowd. It worked well. Anna, what do you think about old man flip hating curmudgeon coachman hating these flips, especially one from Apollo, because he says, oh, but is that really necessary? And I'm thinking, hey, bro, one guy just took out two guys with one move and he got up and walked it off. Like, yeah, it is kind of necessary. It just it embodies the whole thing of, like, you kind of think maybe it's Vince's voice as a reaction to anything from the independence yeah. Um Otherwise, I'd like to believe that Drew Gulak is actually paying him off, which is the reason why he's saying this. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be the payoff. That is the perfect yeah. payoff. Everything that's happening with what a lot of the commentary team have said about wrestling journalism at this moment in time. You know, I'm not going to say anymore because I do want to get to WWE one day. And so I do not want to say anything bad against El Tanto or any of his family. (laughs) Oh, man. Alex, uh, your thoughts on this? The bar hit their finish for the win. I I wonder what you thought of the match and where the hell do they go from here? Uh, Who? Um, so here's my conspiracy theory. I'm sure it's entirely wrong, but, um, uh, I think it would be a great way to handle this. Um, in Triple H's, uh, tweet about the Dusty Classic, he says that, uh, the winner of this mat of this tournament 
we'll have a spot um, on the biggest stage of the biggest weekend of the of the wrestling year. You know, that's a good which, point. Which to me, that means WrestleMania, not the takeover. So the Dusty Classic is one where, let's say, I don't know, the Austin the Pain, they could have a shot at the bar at WrestleMania. And if they win, they get a raw contract and they're raw tag team champions. That, to me, is a great way to bring the bring AOP up, establish them as brutes who can take out Sheamus and Cesaro on Red WrestleMania, give them the Raw Tag Team Champions, and then that's a, that's a team that everybody can be hey, chasing on Raw. And I'm giving them Samoa Joe because I don't think that Paul Ellering's doing the loops. I, no. don't, I mean, all due uh, respect to Paul Ellering, I love him. He's one of the greatest managers of all time. I can't imagine that Paul Ellering is going to, go all the way around the world at 64 years old and you got Samoa Joe, that should be the dominant, maybe the answer to a Braun Strowman. Like maybe. that's something I can get behind. Like, yeah. Hey, he can't overcome that. Yeah, sure. Up next title eliminator for Nia Jax. Oscar defeated Nia Jax. Another good match. I thought and just Nia Jax's third televised singles match since the beginning of November she had not been pinned or submitted in a TV singles match since August. She looked damn good from an offensive standpoint. Asuka was selling well. Nia delivering it well. A really good contrast of styles here. Asuka counters the Super Samoan drop, but almost gets Bonsai dropped. And my favorite part of this was, Alex, that the entire crowd, even though that has not been a move for a very, very long time on WWE TV, everybody knew it. And that made me just happy. I grew up on Yokozuna and a little bit later, Rikishi. And Nia Jax isn't, you know, blood part of the family, but she is part of the family. So I did that that warmed my heart. That made me so happy to see. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. Like I, I feel like there's there's something just inherent in the idea of a person lying face up by the turnbuckles and much, 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 much larger person standing on those turnbuckles where you go, oh, crap, what's going to happen? Or you've seen the tape of Yokozuna or Rikishi doing it once and going, oh, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Tomorrow her ass is going to be as purple as the 205 Live logo because she took one for the team on this spot. Anna, uh, she hit the ground pretty hard. Mm. Yes. It's a rough one. A rough landing. Yeah. Asuka applied an arm bar. Uh, Nia lifts and bombs her into the buckle. Then Asuka counters a power bomb and rolls up Nia for the win. Afterwards, Nia spears Asuka through the barricade. I thought this was a brilliant way to, one, keep Asuka's decision off TV tonight. Uh, and then to not have her around for the Rousey thing because Asuka... In character, if somebody came and stole her spotlight a month ago, you damn well better believe she's still in their spotlight tonight. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts on the match before we get into a commentary flub at the end of this. Uh, Anna, what did you think of this match? I thought the match was great. Um, we did get our first uh, barricade spot of 2018, which I am incredibly happy about, delivered by one Nia Jax. Um, they, it was it was the way it needed to go, and they both looked incredibly strong. Oscar was selling her ass off, probably maybe legitimately sometimes, um, and Naya as well. But my only issue with Naya was I feel like given the character, the monster thing, she should pick her spots more as to when to sell because there are a couple of moments where Oscar, uh, she did something, and then... It's like uh, uh, tried to submit her when Naya was doubled over and then Naya let out like a squeal and then quickly stood up and realised that, no, this doesn't affect me whatsoever and then kind of just threw her off. It's just those kind of little things where it's like if it isn't actually going to take you down, then maybe don't sell it as much. Maybe that's just my preference though. So. so after this, like commentary like really made it seem like Asuka has to – face Alexa Bliss, even though they made it clear before that in the weeks before that Asuka has her choice. Now, this is what I really, really dislike about WWE and especially the guys like Corey Graves who go out there and perpetuate this. 
you know, there was this issue, and I'm sure on like the list in your boy this week, we'll get into the Corey Graves, David Bixon span issue that spiraled out this week. But, you know, he talks about the lack of journalism and the lack of respect and all that stuff. And it's a Sam Roberts deal. And Bix will be there to talk to him about all that. We'll get into that later this week. But then WWE insults their viewers' intelligence by acting like their commentary team doesn't know that Asuka has a choice. That they've like forgotten that Asuka has this choice. We're supposed to buy into that. And Michael Cole knows it. Jonathan Coachman knows it. Corey Graves knows it. And if they all had their way, I'm sure that they would do this in a manner that didn't disrespect the intelligence of the viewer. But we're supposed to believe because, you know, oh, well, there she is. She's probably going to face Alexa Bliss. That way, when she, if and when she does the swerve. Oh, wow. I didn't see that happen. Whoa. Hot dog, you guys. Come on. Come on. Lame? Yeah, um, I I agree it is lame. And I I also am wondering, uh, especially uh, considering Asuka's promo on Monday, what promo they're going to have her cut to explain why she's not going to face Alexa Bliss, but is going to face Charlotte on the other brand. Like, I don't know how, how how you write that to make it believable at this point. Um, and then how you write it to let Asuka not appear to the less discerning fans in the audience. Like she doesn't, she can't talk. Well, what, what's it doing? Uh, what, what, what? Um, yeah. I, Cause that was really painful to watch. Not, not, not the least of which is because they sent her out there asking her to do something that she wasn't comfortable doing in front of a bunch of yahoos who decided to tear her down for it. So I, I'm not looking what forward it, to that. Didn't the fix be to then just get Charlotte to do something that would call her out? I, I think that'd be great. Um, I guess, but the problem with there is like, again, now you got to have Charlotte can't do that until after she beats Ruby Riot in two weeks. And then you've got like a build for, for this Oscar versus Charlotte match. That's like two and a half weeks long. And I'm, I mean, I don't know. It just feels weird that everything for Mania is coming together so late in the game. But, you know, I guess. Still got six weeks, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. My God. Guys, this show is also brought to you by Wartime X. Check it out in the Apple Store or on Facebook. It's a mixture of war and poker. It's a lot of fun. Go over, check it out, support them. Up next, Woken Matt Hardy defeated Bray Wyatt. And the first Fightful Mania match has its stipulation. Jeff laid down the challenge to you last week, Alex, and I have confirmed it. A barbed wire beach ball match. Yep. The problem with this match is uh, that I'm so morally opposed to beach balls (laughs) that much like Bailey and kendo sticks, I will refuse to use the weapon stipulated in the match on general principle. And it'll probably... And you will die. I also I also suggested, and our MMA fans will like this, Anna versus Showdown Joe. If Anna loses, she's not allowed to curse. If Joe loses, he has to curse on every show. That's what... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
it's hot in the streets. Maybe I can book Vince Russo versus Matt Riddle too. So Bray Wyatt is out first, and Matt sings obsolete to him. This got a good reaction. He catches Wyatt off guard when Wyatt searches for him. Hardy almost has a twist of fate reverse, uh, but then counters the counter with a DDT. I like that a lot. Uh, Woken Matt Hardy was really over with the crowd, but not as much as a dumbass beach ball, Anna. And Rusev Day. That's true. Don't forget that one. Uh, It's... The match was match was great. The match was fine. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. My issue, and I think a lot of people's issue, is the storytelling of it. Broken Matt Hardy doesn't need WWE production values. He needs Vanguard One, and he needs a dilapidated boat, fireworks, and his brother. And his That's family. what should have confronted Bray Wyatt. Vanguard One should have floated to the <laughs> ring, and then Matt Hardy attacks him from behind. Yes. That's the thing. Like what we got with the House of Horrors. It essentially needs to be that kind of crazy, but without, again, the WWE production values. There's a line from commentary about claiming that Matt Hardy was part of the Rat Pack in a past vessel. And it's just that kind of summarizes WWE's trying to play this game that they don't understand. You can't just throw random shit out and be like, look, he's crazy. Like that's, this just looks lame. There there are so many things that that you could do with this feud. To really just, just really just pop everybody who knows the the broken universe or whatever. What if what if Bray Wyatt is out there? He's looking for Matt. Matt, he can't find Matt. The lights go down and the lights come back up. And standing in the middle of the ring, holding a shovel, is Senior Benjamin, who just laughs his ass off. And the lights go back down. They come back up, and it's broken Matt. And he starts beating up Bray Wyatt. The the commentary team would go, "What the hell's going on?" And it would create intrigue for people who don't know what's going on, and the people who do know what that is, they would they would have they would have gone ape for it. So you can figure out ways of being able to be for both things, but they've decided to not be anything. And it's just, I mean, it's 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 if you just if you the thing that you love the most about Broken Matt Hardy was that he talks funny, then this is the feud for you. They they went further with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt than they have this. When they have Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and Jeremy Borash on the payroll, they have access to Senior Benjamin. They have access to Rebby Hardy. They have access to to Maxwell. They have access to another kid who wasn't even there at the time. They have access to Vanguard One, and now they have access to footage from Impact Wrestling because Impact Wrestling's on a fire sale. They're like, sell it, all this shit, get rid of it. <laughs> They're just trying to make a dime right now. I like the match. Matt Hardy won with a twist of fate after a nasty urinagi from Bray Wyatt. And uh, Hardy woke the crowd up with some delete chants. Good stuff, I thought. Just rough crowd, bad creative. Kurt Angle, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon are out. Then they're followed by Ronda Rousey. She looks really happy to be there. But then they give her a mic, and boy, is she flustered. Now, Anna, I'm going to bring in a little bit of your expertise here. Rousey has done a lot of press. She's done a lot of media, a lot of one-on-one. She's talked after after winning fights, losing – well, not losing fights. She kind of ditches. This is a much different scenario, and a lot of people are like you – know, she's acted. She's done a lot of that stuff. What type of uphill battle is this for a woman who has never done this particular thing before? See, I'm I'm on the fence with this because the way that this segment went – I was on board with it. It set up the swerve. It set up, you know, this poor girl. She's so excited and happy to be there. And she genuinely did come across as grateful to be there, wanting to be there, actually wanting to do this properly. And then the swerve happened. So given the whole scope of the segment, I didn't have a problem with it. My initial thought was, oh, shit, they didn't prepare this girl. And I'm very interested to see what happens moving forward. I don't have a problem with her character being based basically just on herself um, because she does that. She steps into a ring. You saw that face at the end of it. That's like one-tenth of her I'm going to kill you face. And when she notches it up to ten, like all bets are off. So I'm happy to see where this goes. And more than that, I'm happy to see Stephanie get her ass handed to her by Ronda Rousey. Yeah, uh, I mean, she was. she's had issues. I mean, she 
didn't speak until kind of late in her life. She had issues with that. So I, you know, I always wonder if some of that, like that insecurity kind of follows her in and she's been nervous and you, she doesn't take criticism. Well, she doesn't take, uh, I wouldn't say adversity. Well, she doesn't take people rooting against her. Well, and I think that showed a little bit in this, but ultimately, and it's not good mic work. It's not good mic work, but we'll see how it works out moving forward. Alex, uh, before we get into the meat of this, what did you think about Ronda Rousey's first go around on the microphone? Well, in the middle of her kind of stumbling through it and talking like, Kurt, Kurt Angle, you being Olympian and me Olympian and you better Olympian than me was Olympian. I was like, well, this is going great. Um, yeah, it was rough. Uh, but she 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 figured it out. She got it back. Um, but again, this is this is her being like being asked to do live theater, not, memor- not memorize a couple of words of, from a script and do a movie, but like do a, a, a speech. And that's not who she is yet. So it's a weird thing that they that they insist on doing this with everybody, and including the people who have haven't even been at the performance center learning to take a, po- a promo class. Um, we'll see how this goes. But as she proved uh, later in this segment, she can say a lot more by saying nothing. That is the benefit of people like non English speakers. That's a benefit and. With Ronda Rousey, I think that if you have a Kurt Angle saying what she needs to say verbally over the next few weeks, maybe that works out better as long as you don't give him crappy scripted dialogue. But let's talk about Kurt Angle because, <laughs> man, was he great in this. He, you know, he flubbed one little time, but he was outstanding. He was like, <laughs> hey, Ronda, you know they're trying to manipulate you, right? <laughs> and my favorite was when he said, you know, ever since WrestleMania 31, when you embarrassed them, I think the term that you all use is, we'll have this bitch under our thumb. <laughs> and he never Triple, said the word. He didn't say the word. Triple H cut him off, and it was it was magnificent. And triple the panic on Triple H's face and Stephanie's face was great. And Triple H is like, I, I bought it from Triple H because he knows. He ate a hip toss or hip throw from her yeah. a couple of years ago. And then they get up the ramp. And I thought this was the best because at some point you have to address the losses. Yep. And it's something I brought up before. Um, Bruce Pritchard, when he dealt with King Mo and TNA, when King Mo got knocked out, like Spike and Bjorn Rebney and King Mo were like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And Bruce said that he and the creative team were like, no, we can work with this. This is something we can work with a little bit more. Like you lost. Somebody can bring that up in a promo and all of a sudden there you go. So Kurt Angle says, Stephanie said that you were so washed up that even she could beat you up. Perfect. They they addressed the losses and they made a comment that Ronda Rousey has traditionally proven that she can't stomach very well. She can't handle very well. She was at odds with Paige Van Zant, pretty much a child, over congratulating Holly Holm for beating her. So, I mean, this is within the the Ronda Rousey character. It is within the, the portfolio and the profile of a Ronda Rousey. And it led to her putting Triple H through a table. The crowd, who was a little bit indifferent at the beginning, boy, were they into this, Anna. You know what I want to see from this? I was paying attention. But the idea came into my into my head of, like, you know the Brady Bunch movie? How there was this weird thing between Marsha and Greg. So if Kurt Angle brings in Ronda Rousey into like as his adoptive daughter and then Jason mm-hmm. the entire time just tries to hit on her. That's what I want. By the way, so uh, I was listening. I was. Ronda Rousey's husband was in the crowd sitting two rows behind UFC light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier, who many of you may remember from his like kind of feud with the Young Bucks. Alex also, I thought that it was just great. Uh, I know that Stephanie McMahon marked up Ronda Rousey a bit with that hellacious slap. And then the crowd started a you fucked up chant, which is maybe the most appropriate and the best possible thing that they could have chanted at that moment. Like I know WWE might edit it out and stuff, but for the moment, ooh, that really pulled in the gravity of the situation. The crowd, as much as they took away from Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, 
they sure gave to Stephanie McMahon and Ronda Rousey at the end of this. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll address that point in a second. Um, the first thing I want to say is that I've been um, because for whatever reason, my one-year-old daughter loves it. I've been watching a lot of uh, Perfect Strangers on Hulu, uh, this amazing uh, uh, '80s sitcom where there's uh, Balky Bartokamus, this Meposian immigrant to the to the U.S. I'm gonna call Child Protective Services on you. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually great. It's one of the best comedies I've ever seen uh, because these guys are a great odd couple, and Balky just won't shut up. And gets his his cousin Larry into all kinds of trouble because he won't shut up, and that's Kurt Angle's gimmick in this in this segment. Like just like, just shut up! Why are you saying this? Like, but don't you understand? You told me last week, cousin Larry, that you hated his guts. Why? Like, and it's it's this is this. Uh, it was very funny. Also, um, Ronda Rousey stared Stephanie McMahon out of the ring. It was great. It was perfect. She didn't need to lift a finger because. Once you've body slammed, basically just picked up and urinagied um, uh, <laughs> Triple H through a table, like what do you need to do to prove that you can take out Stephanie McMahon? What a fourteen-time world champion there. Yeah. Um, so in this case, everyone who was kind of like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to like Ronda Rousey being in WWE. By the end of this segment, they were all for it because what do we need? To make WWE fun, evil people in charge and somebody underneath who we can root for effing them up, and that's that's what made it work for so long. And so when the Attitude Era was magical because you had Vince and waiting to, for Stone Cold to stunner him. Now you got Steph and her husband, and you got Ronda Ronda Rousey who wants to just take them both out. That's it. And Rousey getting physical and actually landing something on Stephanie is the payoff. It's been the payoff for like three years. Yeah. Because she just grabbed her in a bit of an arm crank at, at WrestleMania a few years ago. But you know, <laughs> you finally arm bar her or you slam her, or you hip throw her or something like that. That's the payoff. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that match play out where that doesn't happen until the very end. Yeah. Like Stephanie just runs away and tags out and does all this stuff. And then at the very end, Ronda Rousey hits a major hip throw into an arm bar or something like that, and we see that finished off. That's going to be – I mean, if tonight's – if the last quarter of this promo is any indication, boy, is that going to be fun. Main event time, Elimination Chamber. Elias came out, and he commanded that crowd. Alex, this was a, a work of art. This was a beauty. This was awesome. This was exactly, this is the thing that I, I can't believe I didn't see it at the time when Elias won the match to become the uh, the sixth entrant. Um, I was like... Seventh. Uh, oh, seventh. At the sixth the time, but now is the seventh, um, uh, that they were setting it all up just so he could be the first one introduced so he could start in the chamber on the guitar and and do as one of the guitar promos. It's perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought this was great. Elias is exactly what he needs to be right now. And within the next 18 months, I don't, I mean, I don't know what his ceiling is. Like he could, it's all up to him really. Like he's doing some great, great work, both on the mic with his guitar and also in the ring. I'm, I'm looking forward to see where his career takes him. So uh, Rollins, Balor, Miz start. There's some good work between all three of them. Then Cena joins them. Cena has a spot where he hits his belly-to-back suplex a few times and almost A's both Balor, Balor and Rollins together. Reigns is in, and then Miz has everyone in a circle throwing it kicks. Anna, I saw some contrasting views on this spot. What did you think of it? I see why people would be against it because it's like, well, you have them all down, just go for it. Um, but at the same time, it's the Miz. And... I did appreciate that he did listen to the crowd and he did go to town on Roman Reigns. And really, that's all you kind of want. Well, actually, the only thing I wanted from this was for Elias to eliminate John Cena, but you can't get everything. So after this, uh, Braun comes in. Nothing really spectacular had happened up to this point. Miz runs from Braun, and it is quite horrifying how fast Braun climbed that chamber, Alex. Yeah, no, this is the thing. Um, he's a super heavyweight who is as agile as Spider-Man. 
He is a folk hero. He is the stuff of myth and legend. Like you, if people, if this guy had existed in the Middle Ages, they would have thought he was a being from from like like he was a a giant or something. Like he he's not real. That's what's so amazing about this guy. He's not a real human being. I can't I can't imagine anything like this. If you saw it in the forest, you would run away. Well, Strowman pins the Miz after a power slam. Everybody gangs up on Strowman as Elias won't get out of his pod. There's a shield bomb. Uh, Braun kicks out, and I mean emphatically kicks out. Kicked out at one after an AA. Blackout stomp, coup de gras, spear. Strowman rolls out of the ring. Uh, everybody takes each other out, and then Elias runs in and tries to pin each person individually. Can't get it done, and then he gets eliminated by Strowman. <laughs> Anna, what do you make of uh, Elias's showing? Because I mean, it, it was brief, but I mean, if you're going to get absolutely squashed, it's probably best that it's by Braun Strowman. I'm going to backtrack a bit because this part of the match was my favorite. Um, I will go on record and say that I do love Elias very much. And I also love Braun Strowman very much. So this was both the best and the worst thing that I could have watched today. Um, Elias barricading himself. Okay, no, before that, Braun Strowman was on top of the pod, smashing Miz's face into the plexiglass before throwing him off and then killing him for the pin. Yeah, that is a moment I will treasure in my mind for the rest of my life. Um, Elias refusing to get out of the pod was like, we've seen this Miz did it last year and then Alexa did it before, but it was, it was next level because it wasn't just refusing and closing the door. It was casually standing by just holding it shut and watching it all go down. And it was just the best use of that possible. Um, side note earlier watching, there was a shot with Braun standing in his pod and he wasn't moving a muscle, and it just looked like some monster on display at a wax museum or something. It was perfect. And then Braun getting the beatdown from everyone, it was kind of like watching the helicopters go after King Kong. Um, I don't know how else better to describe that. Um, Elias, side note, again, when he really got into after the attempting to pin everyone, which I've freaking loved um ripped his shirt off and then started beat down again that was the most that was the smoothest ripping of shirt I think I've ever seen to the point where I'm like okay if if any other wrestlers are going to be in the Magic Mike movies he needs to play Kevin Nash's son because that was just anyway um yes and then he tried to put um Strowman on his shoulders and nearly crumbled um, because that is the only way that that could have gone down, and then he was eliminated. I love that. I love that. And in my mind, I choose to end the match there, and we went home, and it was great. John Cena on the Raw talk afterwards was questioning if he had it, a lot of things like that. Now, within storyline, over the past week, I could understand that. John Cena got beaten in the elimination chamber by a guy who had already eliminated a couple guys in the gauntlet match. He got beaten by a guy who wrestled a full length match prior to that and was about 50 minutes deep at the time. Where do you think this goes tomorrow, Alex, as it pertains to John Cena? Is it, is it an immediate maybe undertaker type of thing? There's no, maybe that's, that's his only thing. He says, well, I can't say there's not only may or there's no maybe because people will take shit from this podcast okay, and report fine. it. Okay, that's why um, I don't report storyline news. Don't, don't don't report this. In my mind, I don't see another alternative for this. Like I think it's they've set it up really well. Like he says the only the only chance I have for a marquee matchup is The Undertaker. Um and and have him call the dead man out. And maybe the dead man doesn't want to do it, so he says, "He says I'll, I'll put my career on the line." You know what I mean? Something ridiculous like that. And you have career versus career, Undertaker versus Cena at Mania. One now, last dong. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say one last ride, but yeah, one last hey, dong. I guess that gets that fits the profile as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good one. One last dong. 
That that's you how they done should it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He should come out as big. Here's the thing. He's not the dead cowboy anymore, so he should come out as big evil. He should come out as the same guy who dapped up young John Cena. That should be his thing. I don't, like that, I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they will either. But, I mean, there's a cool way of, like, listen, there's nothing more poetic than John Cena getting basically brought into the WWE by The Undertaker. And then, like, maybe possibly being sent out by The Undertaker. Like, that would be a Bring really back cool his purple thing. gloves. Bring back his purple gloves. Yeah. Balor has some success with some strike combos and a big coup de gras to the back of Strowman. And then Strowman kicks out because <laughs> he's kicked out of everything. When Balor gets a 1916 on Rollins, Braun power slams uh, Balor and then beats him. Rollins and Reigns both try to team up on Strowman, but ended up battling and using the same buckle bomb to Superman punch spot from last week. Strowman chases Rollins up the cage, but Rollins catches Strowman with an ugly ass Samoan drop that was all on Braun. Like Braun held on to the 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 chamber a little too long, and it looked ugly. So a little bit of a, a botch there on Braun's behalf. Rollins gets two on a frog splash after. Then Rollins gets beaten by Braun down to Reigns, and he flies over the top rope to the outside onto Braun. Spears him into the pod. Superman punch two spears finishes it off. Anna, Roman Reigns, wins the match, but he got his ass kicked real proper afterwards. So he should have. That's the only way that if if he were to win, and he did, that was the only way that they could prevent the crowd from riding. Because at the end of the match, they had get these hands chants. Um, I believe I saw speckles of blood when Strowman was crashed through the um, plexiglass at first, or the only time he was. Um, and the only other thing that I took from this as I try to erase the rest of it from my memory, do you think that they get a cash bonus every single time they indicate to the WrestleMania sign? They should. Because that moment before the frog splash from Rollins, I mean, it's like we know it's there. And like we, we know how close you are to the sign because of how – massive it actually looks with you standing that close to it i just kind of wish you know, if you go and acknowledge it like that then climb up onto it i think total divas apps suggested that and i'm fully on board with that I'm, I'm gonna take this time to make a plug it'll be up sometime this week you guys our next shirt point at the fucking sign pro wrestling slash fightful you all can go check that out. We also have the Fightful Mania tee. The You Have Opinionated Wrongfully shirt is up for a limited time. That one's about to go, so if you want it, probably should order it today or tomorrow. And we have our classic Fightful tees as well. But now, all of our viewers can get bonused every single time they wear that shirt. In fact, I suggest that they buy the Point at the Fucking Sign shirt and then stand next to somebody who's wearing the Fightful Mania shirt that's the ultimate combination. Alex, also twenty percent off at um at the store online. They will be too, using the code new site tomorrow. And I will be spending more money I don't have. Hey, Alex, I'm ready for your tears. Um. Okay. So here's what I've kind of come to realize in watching WWE. Um, that it's some of the, some things are just you know foregone conclusions and if i i came into this thing knowing that roman was going to win just knowing it and so i said how can how can they get to that point that would make me still enjoy the match and they did it they did it like presenting braun as nearly unstoppable like if you play video games and you come across a boss that has like so many hit points. His HP is like through the roof. You just have to whittle him down, like hitting him with all these different things you can do. You build up your, your might meter so you can hit a finisher on him or whatever until he's nothing left. And then finally he's out. It takes forever, but finally you got him down. That's what they did. Like he took so many finishers in this thing. 
and he kicked out of stuff at one, like this like eight is, or nine finishes. This is what we wanted. If he was going to lose to Brock Lesnar back in September, we wanted him to have to like Brock to have to work for it. Like hit him with two, three, four F fives, like really whittle him down to nothing. And well, then to be fair, they should have never bastardized the F five. One F five should have put away everybody. But, if but, one end of days puts away everybody, one F five always should. But they that was in the era of just kick out of finishers, kick out sure, of finishers. Sure, sure. But with this guy, he's special. You have to hit him with everything you got. You got guys gang up on him. The whole story of this match was Braun Strowman. This this read to me like somebody like somebody was told. Okay, Roman is going to win. Write the best story to get Braun over where Roman still wins the match. And that was this. So, I mean, even after Braun lost, he still got back up and threw Roman through a pod and beat him up, hit him with two more power slams. Like, you've built this guy into such a huge thing that to me now the big deal is if Braun's not involved in this picture of the universal title thing for Mania, then where do you go with him? And my, my thing is that the other guy who's got nothing to do right now is Seth Rollins. So just do it. Put those two guys in a match. Let them tear the house down and say, Brock, Roman, do better than this. Because I'd love to watch that. Yeah, usually when there's the 50-50 aspect of a guy loses, then gets his heat back, I have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with this because – Reigns doesn't lose any heat from this. His heat is he's going to WrestleMania and he's winning a title. Braun Strowman essentially went through every single person in this match, yeah, including Reigns by the very end. So he is still a monster. They just, I, I don't think that you should avoid putting the monster that you have over because you're trying to appease the monster that you might not have in a few months. Like, push him to the point to where he is that that marquee guy. Anna, any uh, other lasting thoughts from this show, which I thought was a very, very good uh, wrestling pay-per-view? Basically, just going off what you said, I, I really loved the two elimination matches. Um, the others, it was more... I, did, I really liked Oscar and Nia Jax. Um, Story-wise, I wanted more from the other two. But that was pre-pay-per-view that that was an issue um just going off what you said and this is what I was wondering at the start of the podcast when we were talking about Brock is how valuable is he anymore because you've got Ronda now you have Braun Strowman who can rip him apart it's story yeah it is a good story Uh, I mean you should you could go that way but I mean I think they want as many assets as they possibly can get I think that's. But this is what I'm saying. If there's like, if this is just a ploy for him to get more money, cool, all power to him. But they have built up like the outcome of this match and the outcome of a whole bunch of people's storylines are based around the idea of two guys, pretty much. And one guy in particular is a huge part of this equation that is up in the air at this point. So, I mean, it's just, it's a lot to ride on if someone isn't actually going to be around. And I get it. Like, he's been doing this for years. He's a monster. He can do nearly anything he wants, um, bar and USADA violation. Um, but to me, it's just, I don't know. I, I get wanting to get more money and maybe I'm being incredibly naive in my view here. And I get that's the reason why a lot of independent people sign to WWE is for the contract and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, it's wrestling. Like, yeah, but I mean, he's worth it. If they, love this job. if they can set up a pay-per-view situation where they have Rousey on one month, then Brock Lesnar on another month, then Rousey on the next month and vice versa, that's a pretty good setup to, to kind of have, especially for those people who are going to work that type of schedule. Uh, guys, make sure you all leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, also, subscribe to our friends over at Pro Wrestling Unlimited. I appeared on their podcast last week. You'll see the list in your boy on that on, on their channel uh, from here on out as well. It will still be on Fightful and our channel as well. But sharing a little bit of content, doing a lot of great stuff with Pro Wrestling Unlimited. You'll see their videos and our articles, a lot of stuff like that too. 
Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Fightful Online. Alex, where can the people follow you? At Palowski the Fourth. Anna is at Anna Bauer. Anna, what do you got going on, and how's it going with uh, EPW? EPW is going very well, thank you. We have our first Sunday session show of the year in two weeks on March 11th. Uh, in that is a battle royal for the progress show on April 18th. So whoever wins that gets to choose their opponent. And so far we have announced for the progress show, Tony Storm was announced yesterday, uh, Jimmy Havoc and Travis Banks and Pete Dunn. So I'm pretty over the moon. Guys, remember to go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. You can get all your Fightful tees. That uh, sign point shirt will be up very soon. And, of course, support our sponsors, Wartime X on Apple and Facebook, and then LivingSharp.com. Check those out as well. Subscribe, like, thumbs up. Visit Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com. We cover MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. But if you don't like one of the three, you can always sort it out. We have tabs at the top where you can uh, bookmark the individual pages and only get those headlines. Guys, thank you all so much. We'll be back tomorrow night for the Monday Night Raw post show. We're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.